Clark's afraid of losing the other colonies, so he's sending his elite forces to seize direct control of any colony or outpost that might move against him. If we surrender, they'll court-martial us. We fight and lose, they'll probably kill us. Well, we're in it now. You okay? I think so. It's kind of a surprise, but yeah, I'm okay. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two former strangers, now friends, who have gotten to know each other while rewatching a show from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. And today we're going to play some plot poker. So we've got a ton of packs to open. We've got that new Shadows set right here. Uh-huh. I'm getting right into it. I'm opening packs. I'm excited. <laughs> I love opening packs. Let's see here. Oh, I got Ambassador Cash. Oh, what a good get. My per mm. my person in this first pack is Kaylin, who it says is a Mimbari character. Is that the one <laughs> that Lanier saves face for? I'm not sure. Maybe. Sometimes random Mimbari. I do have Lanier all beat up. I got the slow recovery card. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got Lord Malari. Replaces Lando Malari. Oh, wow. I got Brother Theo in the same pack. Ah, uh, really? Man, really? I also got Lil Morale, which I will give you for obvious reasons. Hope you get a banger pack after this. <laughs> I did get one that makes me laugh. Um, I got No Alternatives, which has Lando Malari on it because he has no choice. You know, he, like uh, Lady <laughs> Morella said in our last episode that he keeps thinking he has no choice. So that made me laugh. I think I'm going to put Brother Theo in my solutions pile. Yeah. And I think I'm going to put Malari in my problems pile. Yeah, I think that is a big problem. Oh, I got Lumorale too. Weird. Ivanova, holy shit. I'm getting banger pack after banger pack. Yeah, you've got some good ones. Ooh, she's got a psi rating of one. Well, she's definitely going in the solutions pile. I have an ambitious captain. That was my character in this pack, so... Kind of a letdown. Oh, hey, I got uh, Officer uh, Alex Jones. Really? He is just Nightwatch agent. I was going to say, does he have a name? No, he doesn't. He's just Nightwatch agent in, like, everything. Wow. Now he can go into the problems pile. Got lots of really vague problems. That's one of the things about these cards, is some of them are just extremely vaguely named. I got a Zathras. Yeah, but is it is it Zathras? Or is it's, it? It's Zathras. Okay, okay. The apostrophe is between the H and the R this time. <laughs> and then I have a, a bonus pack that I'm gonna I'm gonna open for this episode, because we're watching the episode Shattered Dreams. Mm -hmm. And at my local new nerd store, they had exactly one pack of the Shattered Dreams expansion, which I've not seen Sucks. any cards from before. We've got Pensive Lanier on the uh, packaging here. An it's interesting choice. Instead of the normal 12 or 15, I feel like they the last handful have been. I feel like we haven't had a ton of Lanier in these three episodes. These these cards might be for stuff that happens way later. Mm -hmm. Let's see Let's find out. what we get in here. Okay. 
Mm, well, I've got a spoiler off the top, but I'll just go ahead and show you that card. Oh, yeah. That is a spoiler mm, up top. That's a good one. Let's see. I've got a sniper. I've got a psychopath. The conspiracy deepens. Oh, hey, you know what we're going to add to this one? The incentives card. Uh huh. Which has a certain Marcus getting roses. <laughs> we saw That's that recently. Card. That was cute. Yeah. I'm opening another pack because in five, I didn't get a single good character. And I just feel cheated. Go for it. We actually will have five extra packs for, based off the box size when it's said and done from this box, based okay. off the projected number of plot poker segments we're doing before we get to the Great War boxes. Okay. Not that I'm an obsessive planner or anything. <laughs> I got a Zathras. Yeah, which one? Zathras. So, okay. I think it's the same one I got. Yeah. Boy, I feel like I got a lot of not much to work with, so I'm going to be being as creative as I can. All right. So, I think we have our piles, huh? We got our piles ready. So while we're drawing cards from our piles real quick, I will uh, give a brief explanation of how this works to our listeners. So we've got four piles of cards in front of us, one with characters, one with problems, mm -hmm. one with solutions, and then one with twists. And using these cards, I will be putting together a plot and Laura's going to put together a plot. And those will be the respective A and B plots of an episode which we will then rate on our scale of Babylon 1 to 5. Yeah. I think last time you had the A plot, if I'm remembering correctly. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes, I did. I had the Soul Hunter for the A plot, and you had Zach Allen and mm -hmm. his changing opinion on the B plot. Yeah. He was man of the hour, both in this season and our season of Babylon 5. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so yeah, go ahead and take our A plot. I'm going to do my best. I didn't feel like I got a lot out of those piles, but let's see. So, oh, it's going to be a Kosh episode, everybody. So, Oh, a Kosh episode. All right. Yeah. So we have Kosh, Naranek, and oh, his problem is that there are seeds of anarchy growing, especially amongst the races on the station, perhaps. Okay. Perhaps with the Centauri or a similar race, similarly positioned race. So... The solution, we have maybe some key characters in this that are fleeing from the Centauri Republic or their allies. And uh, mm -hmm. we have a hidden safe house that the Vorlons are going to get some of these key characters to in order to ferment, you know, some resistance to this growing shadow influence from these seats of anarchy. Okay. Okay. You know, we resolve that, but the twist at the end is that propaganda has turned this action against us. And uh, even though our characters assisted Kosh in getting these key characters to the safe house, propaganda has come in with their own version of events. Oh, man. Well, this is a very Centauri-heavy episode we have. Oh, yeah. Tell me why. Uh, because... Of the Centauri that are trying to flee, we have Prime Minister Verano, the guy who takes over after Malachi. Okay. And uh, he has come to the station because he's having a crisis of self, hmm. likely due to all of the issues with the shadows, right? Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of what's been going on. Yeah, we know that influence has gotten pretty far. Yeah. And he's the guy who's the kind of like bumbling idiot dude uh-huh. in the high court. Yeah. So he's just like all of this stuff that's gone on around me. I thought I was a good prime minister. All of this is going on. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And he manages to kind of talk himself out of it with a good bluff. Mm, okay. So all this is going on. He's getting these Centauri to the hidden Vorlon safe house that someone has arranged for them. And their goal is to kind of ferment things. Uh But like that propaganda turns it around, that propaganda leads to a return to ideals. Mm. From who? Well, the card has got Alondo on it. Oh. So So I'm guessing this bluff goes a little too far, Uh turns into some propaganda. And ends up the Centauri that thought they were going to be maybe kind of fermenting some kind of dissent against the shadows. They end up being loyal to the Centaurum and not changing their minds. All that silly history that those Centauri love so much. Yep. Coming back to bite them. Hmm. Okay. Well, between that, what do we think that our uh, our rating on this episode would be? It's an interesting episode. I think the Centauri plotline would kind of cement the path that they're on. Like, it's not even just like Londo and Rifa at this point. Like, mm-hmm. even the person who we've seen who's kind of like, I don't want to say like the most innocent Centauri, but definitely the least bloodthirsty Centauri we've ever met. Yes. <laughs> even he's kind of led on it by the end of the episode to this path. So it kind of finalizes that. Um, I could see this taking place before Dust to Dust. Um, Maybe some Akasha's comments about the Centauri being lost could Uh be kind of referencing this event. Yeah. A series of events. Yeah. Like Kosh kind of makes his last attempt to have any sort of influence on the Centauri or meddle in their affairs. And it fails. Well, maybe it happens after Dust to Dust. Maybe he's all like, okay, well, I kind of got the Narn on the right track. Maybe I'm real good at this. Maybe I can save, get the Centauri. Uh-huh. To fight these shadows for us, too. And this is all an attempt by him to kind of get that going towards the end before it's too late. And mm-hmm. it fails. Yeah. It could fit either it's spot. It's a good episode. Yeah. I'd watch this episode. I think this could be a four out of five. Gotta have the right yeah. writer on it. I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Okay. Well, good job, us. We did an episode. So I would say an episode that is uh, a, a little bit more than a four out of five. Yeah. Spoilers for my rating. Spoiling for yourself, yeah. We've got season three, episode 10, Severed Dreams. We open on Londo at Space TSA, waiting for over two hours at this point. He's talking to discount Kyle McLaughlin before being racially profiled at TSA. (laughs) I've got some feelings about this. (laughs) Is it totally racial profiling, though, if the person who is profiling you has overheard you shit-talking his entire race the whole time? (laughs) yeah i mean like would it be racial profiling for someone at you know dubai airport to give george bush jr the side eye (laughs) you have to keep an eye on them at all times i don't know yeah yeah just all around weird looks here as you know londo spouts his mouth off and uh obviously within earshot of this narn checking identicards now is the Narn checking identicards? This is going to sound horrible considering we just said racial profiling. Is that Talon again? Or I don't recall. And okay. I didn't write anything down. 
Yeah, I I wanted it to be Talon again, even if it's not, because <laughs> uh, that would be very good, <laughs> considering how yeah. he showed up in the last episode. Did he have a sword? If he had, a, he's the only Narn with a sword. Yeah, so I don't he think he's carrying a sword at this point. So, yeah, but that would have been very juicy. So I'm going to headcanon it that Talon is back and he's hassling Londo Malari right here. <laughs> Take it. So, yeah, of course, Londo gets his words thrown back in his face because his card isn't working. And he's going to have to mm-hmm. wait three more hours because of Narn inefficiency. Which the Narn is, like, really playing up, too. He's all like, oh, mm-hmm. it's that old Narn inefficiency. Mm-hmm. You know how we are. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, we cut to General Hag's ship in a firefight. But no General Hag. They destroy an old Earth ship that is fighting them. Mm-hmm. And we get a bit about everyone knowing each other and the emotional toll mm-hmm. of fighting people that you know. Yeah. This is, we get Major Ryan here, which is uh, Bruce McGill. Uh-huh. He is a real that guy. He's got almost 200 acting credits. Damn. He was a series regular on Rizzo and Isles. He's Captain Braxton on Star Trek Voyager. That was where was I clocked Animal him. House. Yeah, Animal House, MacGyver, Black Sheep. He's all over the place. Mm-hmm. If you feel like this guy looks familiar, he is. So Major Ryan decided that they need to repair and they need to stop in Safe Harbor. And the only Safe Harbor is Babylon 5. So they set a course. We go to theme. And when we come back, Sheridan gets news of the arrival of the ship and tries to plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. We cut to Space TSA where Franklin is helping a ranger. And Jakar just kind of pops out of the shadows to be useful. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm here. I can carry him. I can I can handle the Narn guards. Don't worry about any of it. Yeah. He's doing a lot of um, being useful these last few episodes. This is not an accident. I feel like he's floating around in the shadows around Delenn, mm-hmm. looking to be useful to her. Yes. Knowing that she's on the thing and she's going to have a say on whether or not he gets invited to the cool kids club that he desperately wants to join. Yeah. He asked Sheridan last time to join. And Sheridan mm-hmm. said, well, I got to talk to the others. So now he's sucking up to the others. It makes sense. It's a very solid strategy. Yep. Over on ISN, we hear that Mars isn't going to institute martial law. Get your ass to Mars. Dun, dun, dun. The Alexander then arrives at Babylon 5. Comms on the station are killed. And Sheridan gives everyone a chance to just peace out. Yeah. He's like, hey, this is the Alexander. They're leading the rebellion. We're helping them out. If you got a problem with that, you can peace. And then he stares directly at Corwin. You got a fucking problem, bro? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now's the time to leave. And he's just like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. We, we seriously misjudged Lieutenant Corwin. Yeah. Well, he didn't have a chance. The poor guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he did not. That was a bad setup all around. We get a bit here in CNC. Their humanity got them into this mess, and their humanity is the only thing that will get them out of it. Mm-hmm. The very term is racist. <laughs> yeah, in in the future for sure. Um, Sentience—that's what we should use. Yes. Over in Metalab, our ranger updates us. The League of Non-Aligned Worlds is very splintered. They're constantly infighting because of shadow influence. And when the this was brought before the Great Council, the Great Council was like. Welcome. Yep. We're not an international police force. Let Russia handle it. Yep. Always a good choice. <laughs> After this, Major Ryan comes aboard, and we learn that General Haig was killed off. 
because he chose to do an episode of Deep Space Nine over filming basically the same role over here on Babylon 5. Where's General Haig? General Haig is doing Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it seems he was double booked by his aide and there was nothing to be done. So you'll have to do with me, sir. Yeah. Is that it? That's what it was? That's what it was. <laughs> Man, um, they talk about how this has all happened uh, between it bringing peace with martial law, stopping crime back home. Sheridan notes this is the piece of the gun. Yeah. And it's very oppressive. Mm-hmm. And then also how just Clark has been on free speech in general. Organizing has been nearly impossible for the rebellion and anyone who would have said anything has already been arrested. Yeah. And then we learn that Clark's loyalist military has been bombing Mars in response to their refusal to implement martial law yeah delenn pissed about the inaction of the great council is like fuck them i'm gonna go yell at them yep (laughs) linear you're in charge he's just like okay yeah at this point my husband was like man it's really disappointing when they keep having to write people off because they're not you know the actor's not going to be around for the episode and i was like well that's not what's happening this time Promise. Yeah, he he thought that she was just going back to Minbar for other things, and I was like, nope, 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 nope. We're nope. we're doing something here. She does uh, leave a kind word for Jakar and his growth before leaving, mm-hmm. and right as she leaves, the Churchill arrives, which is yeah. another rebellion Earth Alliance destroyer, which are the the big ships with the rotating bits of the destroyers. Yeah, and then the ones that look like submarines or cruisers. Okay. Gotcha. So so we've got the Churchill, and that's uh, Captain Sandra Hiroshi, I believe. Mm-hmm. No relation to Senator Hiroshi, uh, mm-hmm. as confirmed by JMS on okay. Usenet, if anyone noticed that and was curious. ISN notes that the bombings of Mars will continue until morale improves. Yeah. And then we get breaking news that the Earth colonies of Orion 7 and Proxima 3 have declared independence. They do the coolest thing here. It's very subtle. They never call attention to it. And it's the only time I think that this happens in the entire show. What's that? Every time we see ISN, mm-hmm. unless it is a reporter on the station, mm-hmm. we see them through the hard camera lens on the desk. Yeah. When okay. this happens, there's no visual effect to make it look like they're coming through a television signal like there normally is. There's no degradation or anything. It is the normal camera just offset. Mm-hmm. We are not watching an ISN report. We are watching what is happening in the building like we are part of these characters' lives now yeah. in a way that we only ever get for the characters on Babylon 5 or when we follow them elsewhere. Hmm. It's almost like so a reason for that. cool, right? Yeah. Well, and we the reason is ISN is getting shut down. You know, mm-hmm. soldiers are storming the building and we hear explosions go off, all this stuff. I think without that camera change... Mm-hmm. This doesn't feel real. Yeah, I think you're right. It feels like we're watching something taped and we really don't want that feeling at this moment. No, we need to know this is actually happening to ISN. We need to not question if this is propaganda of some variety. This is a thing that is happening Mm -hmm. and we feel closer to it and more part of it because of that camera change. Whether it's something that you noticed, listener or not, it's that kind of subtle camera work and change that can directly impact how you feel about something. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's, I've, I've 
you know, I've talked about my cinema background briefly. I studied cinema for a little bit in college. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that I always super appreciate that, that just that little bit that really just helped sell it so much. It was so good. Infinite praise upon this scene. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And the thing for me about ISN is that we kind of know them as sort of a propaganda arm. So we've seen them attempt to, you know, make an attempt at, shall we say, fair and balanced because we had, and now for a word, <laughs> where we spoke to Sheridan yeah. and had Sheridan's point of view. But we also spoke to that slimy senator. Don't remember his name. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, had the two points of view. Even though they've been a little bit propaganda-y, Clark cannot risk them doing two sides. Yeah. And so ISN must go. After this, uh, in Sheridan's office, we learn that B5 is going to be attacked shortly by the Agrippa and the Roanoke. Mm -hmm. Man, what a what a shitty name for a ship, the Roanoke. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. We're gonna one name the ship after this missing colony. No, that's <laughs> not a bad omen at all. Right. Oh, also joined by the Agrippa and the Roanoke, the Titanic. Hopefully, they make it. <laughs> oh, what's that? They're supported by the Hindenburg. <laughs> I just like. I'm like. Mm. Anyways, uh, they prep the station for attack. They've got six hours or less before the shit hits the fan. Yeah. We cut over to the Grey Council, and Delenn chastised them for being stubborn shits, disconnected, and self-serving. She grabs the speaking conch and throws it on the ground and breaks it. Yeah. Some of them listen. Yeah, we see some of them leave. This circle mm -hmm. that is supposed to be unbroken, some that of them decide to That was prophesied too broken. She does yeah. say that. Yeah. The Grey Council will break. It has been prophesied. So. Yeah. She's like... Now's the time, guys. <laughs> yeah. What an easy prophecy to make. One day the government will change. <laughs> well, I mean, considering how long the Midbari have kept things the same, you know. It, That's fair. It's impressive how long they've kept it together. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a long time. They live maybe, a long time. Yeah, maybe so it's the long lifespans. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes change when they, they have to live through it. So they just don't. But yeah, it's interesting that the cast she's going up against is the very, you know, cast for war. The warrior cast, it seems like, are the holdouts because she specifically states the religious cast and the worker cast will do this without you. And they get, get to it. And that's presumably who's following her out is those two yeah. casts. But, of course, they're all wearing their potato sacks, so we don't really know. But Yeah, we don't. I mean, even if we saw them, mm -hmm. there's, there's like, the one person we can identify as right. religious cast, and there's, like, the one we can identify as warrior cast mm -hmm. that we know are on the Grey Council. So, yeah. not going to help us a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile. Sheridan calls home. He's going to talk to Daddy. Mm -hmm. Yep. He knows that this is the last chance to talk for a while. Mm -hmm. He uses the gold channel for military contact to call his dad. Well, he calls parents. His mom's just out. Yeah, right. But his dad is the one that we have heard fond stories of already. Yeah. So we know he has a, a good relationship with his dad. And his dad is a very folksy guy. It's a very gee-golly mm -hmm. kind of man. Yep. Well, you gotta shovel the shit sometimes, son. That's what it's like when you're raising pigs. Is like just very like no bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
You're like, was Sheridan supposed to be from Iowa? But I remember him talking about his dad and orange blossoms. So I'm like, wouldn't that be more like Florida? <laughs> I don't know. Global warming. Oh, true. <laughs> Look forward to hey. all those Iowa farmers planting their oranges here in a couple decades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a really cute heart to heart. And it's mm-hmm. the craziest thing. Maybe this happened to you too. But did you notice that at the exact moment that this was happening, someone in your house started chopping onions right next to you. Uh Yeah, it is very sweet. And I'd also noticed that, you know, one one thing that my husband has been just baffled by is the just dazzliness of Bruce Boxleitner's teeth. He has very good teeth. (laughs) Captain Sheridan has. Very shiny. They're they're very good teeth. Like, he was Googling trying to figure out if they were veneers or not. (laughs) You look at the actor that they got for David Sheridan, uh, John's mm-hmm. dad. He also has very good teeth. It's very interesting. Genetic, yeah. Yep, they got that. They nailed it. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he he tells um, John that he's got to do what he's got to do, and it's okay. And don't worry about us. Yep, we'll be fine, son. The neighbors like us, so we'll hide out. Yeah. Sheridan uses Drawl's holographic projection system to declare independence for Babylon 5 from the Earth Alliance after this, mm-hmm. showing up in hallways, the Zocalo, all over. Is he in everyone's all quarters? All over. That's what I wanted to know, because we've seen that this goes into people's personal quarters a uh-huh. number of times. Mm-hmm. You know, someone was dropping a deuce and had this interrupt them. And, and we see it change size, too. So, like, you know, it's like, six inches in front of you in one of those super tiny B5 quarters bathrooms. Uh-huh. I don't even have showers and tiny little bathrooms. So there's no way mm-hmm. uh, that definitely happened. If you're just, you know, Joe Blow on the toilet and Sheridan is telling you about his declaration of independence, do you know that he can't see you? <laughs> <laughs> You've never been exposed to Charles holographic right. system. You don't know what's going on with the great machine on Epsilon 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is Sheridan watching me poop right now? <laughs> I mean, inquiring... Only the finest humor on who are you. <laughs> inquiring so minds need proud. to know. This is very important. We ask the hard questions, Jaffer. <laughs> At least the stinky ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, after this, Ivanova is asking, maybe we should have asked Drawl for help. They've got... You know, that super advanced weaponry on the planet that, you know, no one's able to ever get through. Yeah, she's so fucking right. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe next time. It won't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And then it starts. Most everyone sticks around CNC, uh, Corin included. We got like one guy who takes off his headset and is all like, fuck this. Yeah, that's too much, man. And we've got B5 and two destroyers to stand against whoever's coming. And immediately jump point opens and two destroyers and two cruisers come in demanding surrender yeah that's a lot of ships the destroyers we know can do damage like mm-hmm. the des- the destroyers are the ships from after the mimbari war the advanced ones the ones that we've uh, been told can go toe-to-toe with centauri ship the heavy cruisers like these are these these ships do not fuck around mm-hmm. the yep. cruisers are the survivors of the oh, oh what's the war what's the war before the mimbari war the dilgar the dilgar 
the direction. <laughs> the cruisers are post Dilgar War, but pre Mimbari War ships. They are not nearly as advanced and are not a threat. Like we see a destroyer in the opening seat of this, just like refuse to fire on one as it's being a nuisance trying to get them. And eventually there's like, we can't bring the fighters back unless we destroy this thing. So they have to destroy it. And they just one shot the fucker. These things are not a concern, but two destroyers is a big deal. So I would not say that the station, knowing that it has taken out one of those Nard heavy cruisers, I'd say the station is probably fortified equal to a destroyer. Yeah. And that there's a strong advantage here for the home team, as it were. Yeah, the the disadvantage the station has is it cannot move. Yes. But they did get a really state-of-the-art system back in season two, was it? Or was yep. it season one? Yeah. Yeah, Franklin's dad brought it over. It was a good job. That's right. That's Took right. That. Sheridan tells them that they're fascists and they can get fucked. Yeah. And the fascists open fire and are fired upon in return. We get cool space fight. It's, it's super graphics heavy. Troops begin assaulting the station and we see security get in position to fight. And there's a really nice touch here. If you look at security as they're marching down the hallways to go fight the fascists, mm-hmm. all the Nightwatch posters are ripped up. Yeah, I did notice that we haven't been able to get them all down yet, but we've certainly maimed them. Yeah, we're defacing all these things at least. And we get slow and dramatic music for our firefight. Oh yeah, Vanova jumped into Star Fury. Mm-hmm. We, met, we forgot to mention that to help lead the attack. We get slow and sad dramatic music for our firefight, and CNC is attacked by some fascist Star Furies. The Churchill is about to explode, and so rather than just explode, they ram themselves into one of the other destroyers, taking them both out. Yeah. Hiroshi m- makes the classic kamikaze move and says, if I have to go down, you're going with me. The Alexander and the Babylon 5 both target the Agrippa. And they take it out of the fight as the ship kind of like implodes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't explode. It like burns itself out from the inside. It was something we haven't really seen before. Yeah. Um, It made me think. It's kind of weird. It it made me think that they were so badly damaged that they went ahead and like self-destructed themselves. Yeah. That That, might be what the self-destruct looks like. Yeah. That like. They knew that they weren't going out and they, d- they didn't want to be captured. And so they just yeah. blew themselves up. The station is not in good shape. Uh, neither is the Alexander. But the fighting seems to be st- have stopped when a jump gate opens and two more destroyers and a cruiser come in and mm-hmm. demand surrender of the station. As this happens, four more jump points form on top of the station. And it's Delenn with four Mimbari cruisers. And we get probably this one of the most badass lines of the entire series probably only second to ivanova's god of death that's coming <laughs> yeah. down the line just it's go cr- ahead and play the bit play the, play the bit if you value your lives be somewhere else yeah 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 i will listen <laughs> to that for forever i the whole episode jafer i was sitting there annoying my husband going the best line of this entire show is coming up in this episode it's gonna be yeah. this episode <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah you'll know you'll know <laughs> yeah no it's it's excellent delen just lays it down and the the two ships the two destroyers that arrived in are the olympus and the nimrod are you serious yeah okay somebody else needs to be in charge of ship naming <laughs> when they got in away the from the, all the greek shit yeah like all the original destroyers all have like 
very Greek names. It's like the Alexander and the Agamemnon, mm -hmm. you know, and the Olympus. And then it's the Nimrod. <laughs> you did bad. You did a bad job. God, can you imagine being the crew? Of Sorry. Nimrod. Yeah. It's named for, it's a thing. Like, it's not just like the Green Day album or the modern use in slang. Yeah. Yeah. But it's become such a colloquial thing. Like, oh, man. Uh, Nimrod is a biblical figure in the book of Genesis. He's the great-grandson of Noah. Huh. Wasn't aware. He doesn't have a good rep, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Okay. Well, good okay. for him, I guess. Anyways, they peace. The fighting in Brown Sector is over, and JMS shows us his pile of dead bodies. He likes to remind us that war is hell. Mm -hmm. Jerry Doyle actually broke his leg while shooting this. Oh, dang. So the bit with him, like they added that little bit in with Zach helping him up because of his leg to write in him breaking his leg. Oh. Uh, or he broke his arm. He broke his arm. He broke something while filming. I think it's leg because he's using a cane later in the scene. Okay. But he uh, shot the rest of the day with the broken limb. Oh, my God. He had like two <laughs> or three scenes left to do and he just yeah. did them and then went to the hospital. That makes me want to Google and see if he had a, a like an arm cast too, but he definitely was beat up. I remember the cane. So, is this scene, where, you know, there this whole thing where they're rushing in and fighting mm -hmm. off this invading force? Is this Babylon squared? Is this what he sees? So, I was convinced until our most recent watch of that episode. Uh huh. Yes, this is okay. what he was foreseeing. And I think it's definitely framed to kind of look that way. There's definitely some similarities. But we find out in the episode, they talk about it, and it's a flashback to Mars. Okay. Garibaldi doesn't have a flash forward. He has a flashback. Okay. Because it definitely could so have been. he doesn't see the future in this one. Yeah. Oh, like... for sure. It's super similar. And I don't think that's an accident. Yeah. It feels a lot like a flash forward. We just don't have Sinclair. Yeah. He's the parlance of George Lucas. It's like they're rhyming. So after this, and we're in Sheridan's office to discuss the aftermath of Majors Ryan, the Churchill had a bunch of fighters that the Alexander can't take on. Mm -hmm. So if there's room at Babylon 5 for them, then they should take them. So they get an influx of fighter pilots that are trained and new ships. Yeah. Including some of those new Star Furies that have the long nose. Yeah. We don't want to have the torpedoes problem that the Star Trek Voyager should have, <laughs> where we have a finite number of these little fighters. Uh, at some point, somebody picked up Ivanova. We find out that she's okay. She did like have to eject from her Star Fury yeah. in the middle of the firefight. But she's fine. Yeah. Sheridan leaves his uniform coat in his office. He says he's not going to wear it until Earth is restored. Mm -hmm. All Night Watch is being shipped off the station, but they worry about those that they didn't get sabotaging the station yeah valid fear delenn comes aboard and we get some fun little light some flirty there <laughs> oh flirty hmm. senior staff comes into frame to bring us to the zocalo where people are celebrating the fight against fascism to the credits laura what'd you think of this episode on a scale of babylon one to five i mean this is is a babylon five for me the yeah. only thing that I wish was different 
was that we had gotten General Haig. We already had an emotional attachment to General Haig. We've seen him before twice, right? Mm -hmm. I wish we could have had that actor instead of like, oops, he's dead. Here's this major. Yeah. And we don't (laughs) get the major back either. Yeah. that, That was the one thing that weakened it for me was that we didn't have that emotional connection that we already had to that person. Yeah. This episode is great. If this episode were in like five episodes from now, it would be Mm -hmm. a five out of five for me. Yeah. But in the context of the Mm three-parter, it is not as strong as the episode preceding it, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going with like a four, seven, five out of five. (laughs) You get a discount. And see, that's how I feel. I feel like the, the General Haig thing for me does discount it compared to last episode. Like, yeah, last episode had all of the pieces all right in place. You get Majel Barrett, and now we're missing that really. And he was a really great actor for General Haig. Not that you know the yeah Bruce McGill is any slouch. I mean, no. he he came in to a difficult spot where he had to have some emotional gravitas about this character that we already had that we mm-hmm. weren't getting back. And he did a good job with it. Like, he for did sure. A, a great time. But gosh, if it could have just been just that little bit different, I would have, I, I wouldn't have any complaints about it. I wouldn't have anything to say. Yeah. It's a great episode. Yeah. For sure. Uh, next up, we've got season three, episode 11 Ceremonies of Light and Dark. Mm-hmm. When Babylon 5 officially declares independence, Nightwatch terrorists kidnap Delenn. Lundo acts against Tory aggression. Hmm. It's it's interesting that that is our season mid season finale, if you will, and not this episode. This had big mid season finale energy, but it's not. Well, it's the series midpoint too, so I think it's just it's kind of all you know, like the three parter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think it was particularly structured with mid season finale in mind. I don't think that's something that yeah. really existed until the Sci Fi Channel and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if we took mid-season breaks back then, but it, it feels like if we were going to take a break, we'd do it now. But For sure. I say that having not watched Ceremonies of Light and Dark yet. so Neither have I. Um, and I won't for a while. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Going to take a break. Yeah, we're taking the next couple weeks off while I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. So you won't hear interruption, listener, but we have a couple weeks before we'll be, we'll, we won't be recording again for another three weeks probably yeah so gonna be a bit enjoy your time you're gonna be having a great time so i'm gonna be having a great time you know you've got it's christmas it's new year's Mm -hmm. it's true it's true stuff going on it'll be Mm -hmm. a good time for everyone i hope everyone has a good time especially jeremy siegel who wrote our lovely theme music you can find more of jeremy's work at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com and wishing the happiest of holidays to angry deck time machine on instagram (laughs) even though it's January 18th when this airs. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you to our editor, Aaron. Really appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And we really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast and interacts in our community. We've got an awesome Discord. You should join. Send us an email, whoareub5 at gmail.com. We'll read it on our next mailbag segment. And, I mean, it won't be as long for you, listener, but I'll see you in a few weeks. I'll see you in a few weeks, Laura. Yeah, we'll see you. Bye. Bye.